I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC, the podcast where we are re-exploring and rediscovering our love of the Babysitter's Club. Such a formative childhood experience for us as two elder millennials. Uh, Geriatric I, I love millennials. How, I know. I lo- we, we keep using that because we hate it so much. And instead, we are members of a generation that was really impacted by the Babysitter's Club. And we're so excited to be continuing that journey um, with our Netflix finale, because this is about bringing in even more generations of girls, boys, non-binaries, he, she's, they, thems, all of the above um, into what has been so meaningful for us. I'm, you know, coming to the end of, of this uh, season two Netflix watch. I'm really sad. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've gone back and forth between being like, I'm so glad we did it this way, where we actually you know drew it out and did it regular episodes, and we didn't binge um, because it made it last longer. But it also made the like saying goodbye to it part harder. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's also like I'm excited to get back to talking about books because that's obviously why mm-hmm. we started this. But I really, I mean, we say this every episode, but like. The show is so good and we love it so much. And I also love getting to like dissect it a little bit with you and have actual like mm-hmm. deep conversations about a children's show. But so, yeah, I'm no, I love it. Yeah, it's just it's such a great show. And we love these characters. We love these actors so much. And, you know, everyone on the creative team, like they're all just doing such a good job and making this so much fun to just watch. But then, you know, mm-hmm. we also get to talk about it on top of that, which is also fun in a different way. And Yep. And we It's the dream. And like you said right before we started recording, there's no confirmation on season three yet, despite the fact that we're like, you know, months removed from this second season being released. It they haven't said that it's not coming back, but I would really love to know that it's coming back so I can at least like look forward to that in the future. <laughs> exactly. Especially with this episode in particular leaving us out of season two. So today we are talking about episode eight, the final episode of season two, as we said, which is Christy and the Baby Parade. So this one is a little bit unique for us because to this point, the show has mainly been covering books that we have already read and talked about. But Christy and the Baby Parade is book 45, and our last regular book episode was book 35. And that was right before um, we're going to be coming back. Well, We'll get into the logistics of that later, but when we come back, we'll have a super special and then go into book 36. So we're still a little bit of ways out from this one, and I really, like, some of the baby parade stuff kind of vaguely, like, or or, I mean, not baby parade, some of the parade stuff kind of vaguely rang a bell, stuff about floats, but I don't. I couldn't like tangibly connect it to anything, so mm-hmm. I don't really feel confident saying I remember that book at all. If if I did even read it, what about you? Yeah, same. I'm. I have no recollection of reading this one at all. Um, maybe I did, but yeah, watching the episode, I was like, this feels sort of familiar, but not familiar enough that I was like, oh, obviously this book. Like I, I have no idea exactly. <laughs> So it's it's harder for us to have a conversation where we, like, talk about differences or things that we like or dislike from the book because we don't know what the book was about, <laughs> at exactly. least not with any specificity. So the interesting thing, though, is when I saw the title, I immediately was like, oh, we were right. Here comes Emily Michelle. And then they started talking about – I mean, they immediately were – the opening scene was them giving away the baby stuff because they're not going to have a baby and they don't need it. And I was – I mean, that obviously is a big change from the plot line in the books. 
but I really don't know about the Watson stuff. I, I don't ever remember Watson adopting them. I actually don't remember Watson being much of a character, mm-hmm. as we've talked about in the books. Um that the show, you know, is much more emphasis on the adult characters and and how that interaction plays out. But I don't remember that ever being a, a book plot line, um, or at least not to the point that I read. You? No, I don't recall that either. And since you're touching on sort of the big highlights of the shit, this episode, maybe I should do the summary so people aren't oh, forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> so they can at least have that like in the back of their mind before they're like, no, Emily Michelle Watson's adopting the kids. What? <laughs> Good point. Gee, go figure. Lauren getting ahead of herself. That never happens. <laughs> um, so why don't you remind everybody what, what did happen? Perfect. Okay, so the 80th anniversary of the Sony Book Baby Parade marks the return of the event with a car carrying past baby winners, including Christy and Watson, who were dressed up as Mrs. Claus and an unironic baby Nixon, respectively, in the years <laughs> that they won. <laughs> uh, Edie and Watson have decided to stop trying to have a new baby, which Edie is sad about, but they generally seem to be in a good place. That is, until Christy's dad says he's coming to visit for the parade with his girlfriend and their new baby. The Thomas kids all decide that they do want to see their father except for Sam, but it ultimately becomes a non-issue because he continues to be the deadbeat dad we know and hate when he cancels at the last minute. Watson tells it like it is and reads him to filth before ultimately saying that he wants to adopt the Thomas kids to make them one family and really be their dad. And in the B-plot, the Babysitter's Club decides to enter their own float in the parade for fun and marketing, which results in some clashes among the girls and a bit of a disaster of a result. But it all works out, and their float is a success. The end. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I was not prepared for the emotional wallop of this episode. Um, that last scene where, as you so aptly described, Watson reading him to filth. Um, and really, when Marianne, mm-hmm. and especially Marianne, when Marianne really stood up and, like basically gave Christy permission Mm -hmm. to call her dad a shitty father. It was such a powerful moment because that is, I mean, that kind of generational trauma stuff is just, it's really rough. Like, because you love your parent and to, I don't know, it feels like a betrayal in some Mm -hmm. way to acknowledge that they were wrong. I don't know. It was just, it really, it got me big time. Um, I was definitely not, like we said, I, I mentioned, I don't remember the Watson adoption thing from the books. I don't know if that's an invention of the show or or what, but it really caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. was so not expecting that. I thought maybe they were going to that would take that opportunity to say, why don't we adopt and, you know, bring our family together and, like, maybe announce Emily Michelle that way. So I was really, really shocked, um, but really moved. I thought that was, that was really lovely. And in terms of as a Danny Tanner moment, it worked. Oh, speaking of that, this is the first time we've talked about a Danny Tanner moment since we lost Bob mm-hmm. Saget. Oh, I'm. We just need to call that out. You know, he's was um, one of the things that I saw when he passed that really stood out to me was that uh, it was because it was right. You know, right with Betty White, and somebody was talking about how. Um, when they go, they want to be remembered like Betty White and Bob Saget, mm-hmm. where they have all these legendary work accomplishments, but what all anybody talks about is what good people they were. Yep. And so I think that it is um, a lovely that we're going to have a this tribute to to Bob Saget and his legacy um, as part of our podcast. Because mm-hmm. Full House was pretty meaningful for me as a kid, too, clearly, as we keep referencing it. Yep. But sorry, random sidebar. But that particular kind of a Danny Tanner moment was sort of a continuation. I really like how the show is getting more and more subtle with them, um, with those 
with like mm-hmm. the messaging, right? Like the first the first season especially, they stayed pretty close to the book plots, just modernized it a little bit. But the messaging, the like Danny Tanner moment was much more like a traditional Danny Tanner moment. Where I've noticed in in this season, we've talked each one a, a little bit it's a little bit less obvious. It's a little bit less subtle. The messaging is a little bit more up to interpretation. And I really love that they're allowing that deepening of it, which is what I was uh, thinking about with this um, with this episode, depending on how much it is or isn't like the book. I-, I can see this almost as sort of a declaration of if they do get a season three, you know, moving forward by allowing the girls to grow up, which they don't in the books. Mm-hmm. And like... Uh, sort of taking it in their own direction, which is, I mean, clearly as we've as we've talked about, I can see some of the fan base really not being into that. But I would love to see that personally, and and allow the movies or not the movies. I was thinking that is about basically the same journey I had with Harry Potter. I hated the movies for a long time because they weren't the books until I could finally see them as the movies and their own like their own thing. Um, and I'd, I'd like kind of love to see that the show become that. But I get that that's not everybody's cup of tea. I, I didn't know if you had a, if you had any thoughts on that, if you had like a different take on where season three would go, if it did. Okay. Well, <laughs> you had a lot of topics in that uh, Sorry. thought process. So um, I guess going back to the Danny Tanner moments and it being a little more subtle, I think one of the things that I was thinking while you were talking was, One of the things I really loved about this season is that because it's not such a clear cut, you know, Edie sits down with Christy and they have a conversation about their family and, you know, her getting married, that type of thing. Um, It it allows people and kids in particular that are watching to maybe have more of an opportunity to relate the, you know, quote unquote, Danny Tanner moment or Danny Tanner message to themselves. Because Mm -hmm. when it's when it's Edie talking to Christy about their specific situation, you can obviously take things away from that. And it does it is that teachable moment. But it's more difficult to feel how it resonates or how it will impact you or how you should take it into, you know, reflect on for your life. Where Mm -hmm. in this second season, because it's more subtle and it's more nuanced in certain ways, but less specific to the actual characters and their specific situation. It gives more opportunity, you know, like with this episode, we've got Watson, you know, talking about wanting to bring their family together and wanting to be, you know, feel that connection as a family, one whole unit, and he can really be their dad. And so that's a, a situation that obviously some kids will find themselves in, but not everyone. But there's things that you can take away from that, even if your family is, you know, however many kids, however many parents, however that, you know, relationship breaks down, you can still take away from that the feeling of, you know, connection and mm-hmm. bonding together and, you know, really feeling that as like a, I don't know, it's just, I, I think that that's the thing that I took away from the changes that they made in that aspect of the show. And I really, I just wanted to comment on that because I was thinking about that before you yeah. <laughs> transitioned to the season three conversation. But I mean, to sort of continue that thought, though, I think that that's something that is really going to be nice if they do get a season three, because I feel like they, like you were saying, they were so wedded in the first season to this is what happened in the books. You know, obviously with the updates for technology and, you know, some changes in characterization and the, the you know, background and, you know, history of the characters themselves 
but this the plots themselves were pretty straightforward directly from the book. The messaging was still pretty much the same. Whereas in the second season, it felt like they really found their groove to make this their own. And I think that it would be really great to continue that into the third season where, you know, they have this first season where they got their, their feet mm-hmm. under them. And then the second season where they, you know, figured out what they were doing with their own thing. And I think season three would be an, a continuation of that to like continue to maybe change the stories from what we see in the books and see where this would go. Especially, I think... Despite the fact that, you know, we've talked about the the show being an ensemble, it's about all of our girls. All of the girls get, you know, narrating uh, episodes aside from Mallory to date. I'm sure she would get one in the third season finally. But Christy's always the first episode and the last episode, you know, discounting the super special of the last two episodes in the last season. You know, the first episode one and episode eight are always Christy episodes. And so I think mm-hmm. it sort of puts Christy in that... Not not necessarily like main character role, but she's the one that we see maybe the most and we see the most of her family life. Obviously, Sharon mm-hmm. and Richard are a close second to that, but we get a lot of Edie and Watson and the rest of the Brewer, the Thomas Brewer family, I guess now Brewer family, if they're going to change names, yeah. who knows? Um so I, I just I don't know where I was going with that, but I think that what I'm really would love to see in the third season is, you know, more of an exploration, I guess. Both I would like to see more of what's going on with Christie's family and how this, you know, changes and, you know, what happens if her, you know, her birth father does show up, you know, and tries to reconnect with them again. And, you know, she has this new family that, you know, she has this dad who loves and supports her. And what does that look like? But then also, I mean, obviously, we want to see more from all of the girls and especially get that Mallory narrated episode <laughs> to see, you yes. know, what what her inner workings actually are, because she sort of puts it all out there when she's in the meetings and with her friends, but I think it would be interesting to get that perspective on Mallory. And I, I feel like she's gotten a little bit of the short shrift in this episode or this season. I, I literally wrote in this episode, Mallory sucks again, but it's so funny because I hadn't put together until you just said it. She didn't get a narration episode. And that's why I think maybe looking back, some of it felt so Mallory heavy mm-hmm. because maybe they like, Overcorrected, right. like gave her a bunch. She didn't get her own episode, so make sure she is heavily involved, right? As in all of the other episodes, and in, that just made her seem a little tryhardy and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's. I just feel bad for Vivian Watson. She's doing such a great I job, know. and I just like I'm so annoyed with her at all <laughs> times. And it's not her; no. it's the character. Well, and that's but the like, thing is, like we've. I mean, obviously, we have come to love Mallory in the books, but. She is that try hard, even even mm-hmm. knowing and loving her in the book. So I think that it definitely feels like the writers and the creators of the show are like leaning into that aspect of her. And because we don't get that internal monologue aspect of her or see more of her with her family, um, we're just getting the, you know, trying too hard Mallory, you know, interjections mm-hmm. and, you know, making these terrible pink dress pillowcase things with only one arm. And so I, I think... Yeah, I would I would definitely love to see more a Mallory focus episode so we can try to get to know and love her the way that we have come to know and love her in the books. Fully fully agree. And I think I just realized something else that may be impacting our um perception of Mallory as sort of the odd one out is in the books she and Jesse are much more of a united front mm-hmm. whereas that really isn't ha- like she tries to high five Jesse and Jesse like shuts it down yep. and like Jesse's the one 
telling her that the her clothes are terrible to begin with. So it's interesting that that relationship isn't – I would like to see that relationship develop. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you're saying that, in this season, there have been multiple instances of Jesse and Marianne having – like deeper connection, which I think is mm-hmm. sort of interesting because that's not really something we ever, at least to date, have really seen in the books. It, it has been, like you said, Jesse and Mallory are, you know, the matched pair of the junior associate members or junior members. And um, it's sort of like, okay, well, that's great that she and Marianne have a connection, especially now with the changes that they've made in the show. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that maybe they would have a little bit more of a connection because they're women, like ch- girls of color <laughs> living in a primarily white neighborhoods town. So they obviously have something more in common than, you know, just being in the babysitter's club. But I don't know. I, I do miss that that Jesse Mallory best friendship because we haven't really seen it in the show. Yeah, that is that's a sad loss. And mm-hmm. that one that I hadn't even really thought about. Yeah, until same. Just this moment. That's that's really fascinating. So we talked a lot about the the Watson dad of it all but we we kind of have avoided talking about um mr thomas does he even get a name did they they just keep calling him your dad yeah and i don't even remember if we know his name from the books the book i don't either so that was what i was really thinking about i don't recall i I mean christy talks about the fact that her dad is an absentee dad but in a very like matter of fact way in the books Mm -hmm. it's something that has happened they haven't seen him he's gone sort of the end she's you know sad about it every once in a while but it's it's more of a um like character descriptor than an actual plot thing um now the movie version that came out in the 90s the rachel lee cook movie of all of them i don't well whatever the skylar fisk if we're going for the christy of it all she did have the plot line where the dad came back and, you know, we sort of got that. So I thought that this was interesting that they brought it in here. Again, not having, not remembering the baby parade. Maybe that is a piece of it. But I just genuinely don't remember him ever being a concern mm-hmm. in the books at all. So I've, I was wondering if maybe this might have been like a subtle shout out to the movie plot, you know, that, that mm-hmm. we got that there in a, in a slightly different way in the in the. The 90s movie, it was, of course, the 90s, so, you know, our versions of of, of recognizing familial and trauma and all of the above was a lot – we'll just say there wasn't a lot of nuance happening in the 90s. You could basically call it the no-nuance 90s. So we we definitely get a more nuanced conversation around what that means. I really particularly loved the conversation between Christy and Edie, Liz, about – um, how Liz's feelings towards him are very different than Christie's because their relationships are different mm-hmm. and, and the expectations are different. And I, I really, I thought that that was such a lovely, lovely moment that really allowed you, like you said, to sort of apply that to your own situation that, you know, people have different kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. And that, especially within families, that can make things really, really complicated. Um, especially, you know, if there's, if there's someone that's really hurt you, but not hurt someone else, Mm -hmm. then there's that weird, like, just get over it or mad at the person for not being mad at them for if for in on your behalf, you know, it gets really complicated really quickly. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really a lovely way to put that a very simple message that, you know, our relationships are different. My my feelings about him are going to be different than yours. And my concern in this moment is about you, which 
again, I hadn't didn't really think about it that way as I was thinking about that moment because I hadn't gotten to the end of the episode mm-hmm. yet. But what I'm realizing is that that Danny Tanner moment, the way I what I took away from it was more about what it means to be a real parent, you know, what what mm-hmm. real dad versus biological, what it means to be a, a parent and 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 have that kind of relationship, what it means to to not have that. Um, and I think that that conversation earlier fits in really lovely with that theme because that's that's Edie being a great parent, mm-hmm. you know, and not letting her her shit with him right. affect the kids' relationship. And at the same time, I do really appreciate Watson's perspective at the ep- at the end of the episode. Like pretending it's not happening is also not the way to go. Right. I mean, that's that's its own form of of trauma and and. You know, everybody needs therapy here. We'll just say that. <laughs> but I, I really, that was sort of my reading of it. And I really loved the different ways that they showed what it means when people show up for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really lovely. Yeah, no, I, I really loved that. I Like you touched on at the, t- the top of the episode, I really loved Marianne, you know, when Watson goes through his not not necessarily rant but kind of rant about what a terrible father um and kind of terrible person uh Mr. Thomas is um you know and Marianne steps up and is like Christy I've seen the you know I've have seen you go through this so many times you know you would skip soccer practice to to spend a little bit of time with your dad and then he still he didn't even show up anyway and like basically you know obviously Christy has a really good connection with Watson at this point but I think she needed that push of you know Marianne and Dawn stepping up also to basically be like you know Marianne didn't have time as much time with her mom as anyone would have wanted obviously and you know Marianne points out like my mom would have given anything for even five more minutes with me. And mm-hmm. Don points out, like, mm-hmm. you know, my dad lives far away. I, we see each other as much as possible. But, you know, he would also give anything to spend more time with me. And the fact that your father can't even stop on a road trip to that he's going through. He's going through Stony Brook, essentially. I mean, I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. that whatever route they're taking to get to Maine to visit his girlfriend's family is... You know, it's, Stony Brook was not going to be a huge detour. So it's like you can't even exactly. stop for lunch with your fucking kids. Like, come on, dude. And so you I, can't even tell your fucking kids they have a new sibling. Right. Like they, they didn't even know. Exactly. That is wild. Exactly. And so it's like I, I just love that. I mean, it, I hate because you could tell how much it was hurting Christy to sort of mm-hmm. have this reminded to her. But she needed to hear it. She needed to hear it all at once because I think otherwise she and her siblings. I mean, Sam obviously is the only one that is like fuck that guy like i don't want to see him he's not he's never been a father to us he's never been around he's you know he left seven years ago when david michael was a baby like fuck this i'm not doing that but the rest of the kids do want to see him and i think it helps that they all got to hear like you don't have to put up with this just because this guy gave you half your dna doesn't make him your dad and i loved Mm -hmm. that watson was like basically like that like fuck that guy i want all of us to be one family i want you guys to be my my legal children i want you to be my actual kids let's make this happen i want us to be one unit and obviously they have that connection anyway but the fact that he was like i'm going to add this extra layer of you know legal protections for lack of Mm -hmm. a better word you know they're that once he adopts them they are his children and you know he has the same rights that mr thomas should ha- I mean, does have, but doesn't exercise any of them, let alone, like, the good parts of having children. And obviously, you and I are both child-free adults, but 
I understand and appreciate, and I know you do too. You, we, we understand our friends that have kids, our siblings that have kids. Kids are amazing, mm-hmm. and you should want if you choose to have kids, you should want to spend all of your time with them. Obviously, not all of your time. Maybe that's a little, a little much. Yeah. But like, you, you should just be, be a, wanna... a good parent. You should want to spend time with your kids. You should want to love your kids. And people that don't do that, it's like what is wrong with you? Like, why would you even have children? And it's not like he had, it's not, he's having more kids now. Like what the fuck? Why are you not spending time with the four kids that you already have that want to spend time with you desperately? And instead Mm -hmm. you find this new girlfriend and have a baby with her. And maybe you'll stop by some point for your kids to meet their actual sibling. Like they have a brother out in the world yeah. and they're probably never going to meet him probably until they're adults and they figure it out themselves because their dad is certainly not going to help uh, right uh, like uh, as you were saying that i was like the thing is i am choosing to be child free because i know i wouldn't be able to be the type of parent that i, I would want to be toward a kid just lots of reasons some because i don't want to some because <laughs> you know of my own emotional bullshit but whatever but I, I know that, so I'm choosing not to do that. And that is how I've, how I've always thought of it is, you know, when people say it's so selfish not to have kids, which ugh, miss me with that bullshit. Um, I think it's more selfish of the people like this asshat who have kids and then don't give a fuck about them at all. And I think that was the thing that I loved so much about Dawn's comment in particular is Dawn points out that, like, it's not that her dad's some amazing man mm-hmm. or a saint or that he's doing anything other than what is the bare minimum of what he should be fucking doing, being there for his children. Right. So, you know, it, it it's it, – it just breaks my heart because you're right. That's not something, thankfully, I've ever had to experience, that, that parental abandonment. Mm-hmm. And I think – but that being said, um, we all – know just how much I of my Christy tendencies I have at this point. And as as a Christy, she's got that perfectionism streak, which I'm sure a lot of this stuff now looking at it, if we're actually thinking about it in it through a trauma lens, a lot of Christy's character makes a lot of sense when you start thinking about the fact that she was abandoned and now mm-hmm. she has this need to like I, I mean that broke my heart when um I, we I didn't mention it in that scene with Edie it started because Christy had borrowed her mascara without telling her and was was having trouble putting it on. And you know Christy Thomas does not give a shit about mascara. Mm-hmm. She was 100% trying to impress her dad. And that just, my whole heart just broke in that moment for her. And I think that was what I responded to so greatly in that moment was that perfectionism, that people-pleaser mentality, that need to, that belief that if I'm just good enough, then he'll love me. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes it takes someone like Marianne, like like Watson, who is just a little bit outside of the situation but loves you, mm-hmm. to call you in on some of those things. Yep. I mean, Lord knows you and Katie have done that for me plenty of times over the years when I let my people-pleasing perfectionism get in the way of doing something that I authentically want or mm-hmm. doing something that I don't actually want because I think that that's what's expected of me. And so I, that really, really resonated with me even though i you know i i we have both of us as we've said before we're lucky enough to have come from two parent homes that are still intact and recognizing that that is certainly not the norm of everybody watching the show but i love that 
it still worked for me on such a deep emotional level in that way. Like you said, like that, that subtleness really allows for more of that personal connection. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's so beautifully put. I hadn't thought about it that way, Kate. And it really, it, it helped me connect why I was so emotional at this mm-hmm. one. I think um, that really helped me put that together. So thank you. <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking about, this is jumping back a, a little bit of a ways, but you were talking about Christy, not necessarily being the main character, but I actually wrote in my notes that about Christy as the anchor. Where she's not mm-hmm. necessarily like the, um, like you said, she's not necessarily the main character. There's there's enough space for all the girls. But I think the B-plot uh, of the episode of them attempting to make this float to go in the parade um, and, and act as advertising, get some redemption for Mimi, which uh, that whole conversation was funny. We, we can circle back to that. But the point is... We saw how not well that went. That was one of the few times the babysitters didn't, you know, pull off some amazing thing, which I personally kind of loved because we talk about that in the in the books quite a bit, that they're such Mary Sue's, that they're perfect mm-hmm. at everything. So I, I liked, you know, acknowledging that they, they're still kids and they don't know what they're talking about all the time. And, and, you know, they're trying to build this elaborate thing with no help. In any case, I think one of the reasons they really struggled is because Christy was completely unengaged mm-hmm. and not in a... Um, I love that they acknowledged that that Christy acknowledged in the meeting that she wasn't thrilled that it was Claudia's idea because she likes to be the one that has the ideas, mm-hmm. which again go, goes back to that perfectionist people pleaser thing. But to her credit, I don't think that that was. I think that may have played some part in her reluctance to get involved in all of it. That if it was her idea, it would she would feel more proprietary towards it. But I don't think it was a. This isn't my idea, so I'm uninvolved. It was very much that she was just fully occupied mm-hmm. with the dad stuff. But I do like that they, for all of her bossiness and all of her overbearingness, I do like that this sort of subtly pointed out that without Christy there sort of being that decider, that taskmaster, that boss, bossy bitch in a good way, um, that, well, they don't talk about it in a good way, but being, you know, Having those ca- tendencies that bother them so much, without those there, we saw what happened without it. They they, they sort of fell apart. Um, and I don't know if that was me, again, me projecting too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I thought that that was a really nice, subtle way to show that, yeah, she can be obnoxious with it. But especially with kids you and, and groups like that, you need somebody to sort of step in and and – be the rudder, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because I think it's not so much that Christy, I mean, she does a little bit, obviously, she likes to be in control and be in charge. But I think one of the things that really, we maybe don't talk about as much because we're talking about the bossy aspect of it, it seems like what Christy's really good at doing is like, like you said, being the rudder. She's good at corralling people and organizing over the entire project. Like she's a really good project manager because I think mm-hmm. that's sort of the biggest issue with the project that the girls were doing in this episode is, you know, Mallory was focusing on costumes, but not talking to Stacy, who was focusing on the paint color for the shoe. And, you know, no one was really talking to Claudia, who was trying to do the the chicken wire and the paper mache. And, you know, Janine had tried to help with with car seat placement so that the, the babies can ride on the float, etc. And it's if Christy was actually engaged and, you know, fully integrated into this team, she would have done her Christy thing and been like, okay, let's look at this as a whole. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, she'd break it down into, okay, we need to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, Mallory, you're going to focus on the costumes. What color should we make them? What color should we make the shoe? Everybody, let's decide. Let's coordinate colors so that it's not orange and like magenta. And 
you know, how are we going to do the structural integrity? Can we even do this? Like, do we have enough time to do paper mache? Or is it not going to dry? Surprise, it doesn't dry because it's like solid paper mache that they painted on. Like, she would have been, because she's, she is the, the the great idea person, but she's also the big picture idea person mm-hmm. and execution, like you said. And so I think b- we get to see because she's not engaged on this project. I mean, she's physically there. She's trying to help, but she's not in her, you know, Christy wearing the visor mode. She's not making sure that everything's going to come together. And then surprise, it doesn't come together because the girls are also used to her driving the bus. Mm-hmm. And so when they don't have someone like they they don't realize that they're used to her driving the bus because they see it as oh boy there's Christy in charge again and they don't necessarily maybe now they do realize but they don't necessarily realize that by being bossy what Christy is actually doing is managing the project as a whole which is something that someone has to do and since no one realized that's what Christy normally does and she wasn't engaged no one stepped up to be that person. <laughs> Right. It's the perfect embodiment of that, you know, girl power feminist meme or that uh, I'm not bossy. I'm the boss. Like, that's what Christy is. Mm -hmm. She is the one managing and running. And and you need that person um, to to make that happen. So I I love that we got to see that. I wish the I know there wasn't really space for it. It, it. We've talked about how in some ways we really appreciate the lessening of the B plots to give more space in these 20 minute episodes to some of these bigger themes, but it would have been nice to have the girls acknowledge that a little bit, you know, like we were sort of falling apart without Mm -hmm. you, Christy, (laughs) just to, you know, I I feel like a lot of times the show is doing a really good job of course correcting and calling out some of her shittier behavior that the books sort of don't look at Mm -hmm. too closely all the time. But at the same time, I, it would be lovely if there was a a little bit of acknowledgement too of, of like we just said, what, what that does actually um, for 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 them and for the club that mm-hmm. you know if it weren't for her being the boss, it would have fallen apart in, in two seconds, right? Right. They may may have had a good idea, but they probably would have spent you know a week at Claudia's house, you know, got distracted and moved on to other things without her and her follow through and her like you said, her ability to to project manage. I think that's such a brilliant way of, of thinking about it. It really, it wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'd i love to see that going forward if we do get a season three, fingers crossed, that there is a little bit more acknowledgement of that, yes, we can soften our approach, but don't give up that incredible quality because that's going to serve you so so well in the future if again it's coming from a good place and there's therapy involved and it's not about a need to control everything but like those are great skills to have um and and i i love to celebrate that a little Mm -hmm. bit more as much as we do you know give her a hard time a deserved hard time to be clear right um sometimes it was it was lovely to see that it's not all just her you know yelling and pointing people and bossing people around it's actually her taking control in a good way and getting shit done. I, I really enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't have any other kind of big picture thoughts about it. I feel like we covered the big parts of it. Uh, other than, oh, I, there was um, the idea that Dawn's initial comment, because uh, they start to talk about it a little bit with um, Stacy's parents, that divorce plot line moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, we can talk about that again in the sort of our random observations because it doesn't really impact the plot at all. It's just sort of more of a nugget 
of, you know, for the future, it, it felt like, which again, hopes for season three. But Dawn said that, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt and people meet you at your expectations. And to some degree, I think that that's really true. But then I think the end of the episode really showed us how that that can be dangerous, mm-hmm. that if you are constantly giving someone the benefit of the doubt, then you're constantly giving them the opportunity to let you down. And I think it was, it, it's that's a really hard thing to balance. That's as an adult, mm-hmm. that's still really like, when when is it about giving space and grace? And when is it about saying enough is enough? And I, I really love that they at least sort of introduced that concept mm-hmm. here. They didn't really get into it much. They didn't really, you know, it, talk about it. They sort of treated that moment as, you know, a, a a little bit of a joke when Stacy says, Don, you should really become a therapist. And she's like, I know. <laughs> um, I thought that was cute. But I like that they sort of introduced that, especially because, like, we've talked about ad nauseum, that we know the show is to some degree aimed at us. And I think that that is more messaging that is in that subtle way going to be stick out more for us. So I, I don't know that there's a ton more to add to that, but I just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that that was part of this whole. Mm-hmm what it means to let people in. Um, you know, like the Sam and Charlie of it, you mentioned that Charlie was on board to see him, but Sam was just like, fuck that guy. And and both of those valid responses. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what Christy was sort of, you know, struggling with is how much hope to allow right. her to have, herself to have. And I mean, to quote Ted Lasso, it's the hope that kills you, but you have to keep it. Right. And it, that's a that's a really tough balance. So I, I think that was a really cool thing to bring in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely appreciated that they had that messaging. I think, like you were sort of saying, I think it would have made sense to have a little bit more of a button on that to make it clear that, like, yes, you should give people grace and, you know, have hope for the best. But if someone has disappointed you every single time over and mm-hmm. over. I mean, and I guess they sort of get to that point because Christy does sort of move on and we get Marianne pointing all of those disappointments out, but it's maybe not quite as clear as it could be because I because obviously Dawn's messaging is very straightforward. She li- literally says, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. They meet you what you're where your expectations are. And then at the end, it's a little bit more nuanced and maybe it's slightly too nuanced because you don't necessarily get the connection between those. Obviously, we get the messaging with Marianne and Don and Watson at the end, but it's harder to maybe tie that back to how that might impact the, you know, giving people the opportunity. And mm-hmm. so I, I mean, I think ultimately it comes out at a good place and I don't know that that's necessarily something that they had to tie back to. And I think having right. that that messaging that Dawn put out there out there, I think is good because especially as a kid, it's really easy the first time someone disappoints you to be like, well, no, thank you. I'm done with you. Like, Exactly. Friendship over, you know, just it's black and white. Either you're with me or you're against me and you're against me now because you didn't do X. And so it's sometimes you need to give people the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, if <laughs> if they're a terrible person and they keep treating you poorly over and over again, you do not have to put up with that. You don't have to give someone the benefit of the doubt because at that point, there is no doubt. They've proven that they're a terrible person. Exactly. And I think not for nothing, it says a lot that that is messaging that's coming from Dawn, who has not been let down by her parents in mm-hmm. that way. So she's saying, you know, parents meet you at your expectations. 
if you have good parents. Right. <laughs> right? And not everybody has that. Not everybody has that luxury. There are – it's a sad fact in this world, but there are sometimes shitty people who – whether that's a parent or a friend or whatever, who don't, like you said, deserve the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. And so I think it's it's really interesting to note that Don's more optimistic – attitude and Chrissy's Christie's more maybe more pessimistic attitude toward it is really shaped by the experiences that they that they had and that's that's worth acknowledging. Yep, definitely. What about you any other big thoughts to go with our big trauma <laughs> love and um, like Yeah, I don't think so. I think the the only sort of maybe medium-sized one was the the Stacy mentioned just cuz that was something that had yeah. come up in the last episode and we have a more an even more expressed statement to all of the girls now that her dad is basically living in New York. He's never around. It's all quote unquote because of work, but you know, she's not an idiot. She knows that they're fighting. So I mean, obviously, it seems like they're definitely laying the groundwork for season three if we get that to, you know, have that plot line. And I I hope that we do get that, especially given mm-hmm. what we've seen the show do with sort of stretching these plot lines out. And rather than, you know, goodbye, Stacey, goodbye, where, well, I guess, hello, Stacey, or welcome back, Stacey. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah, because that's when they actually get divorced. So all of the, the books all have to be self-contained. Obviously, there's a little bit of sprinkling through those books, but for the most part, you know, the Stacey parents' divorce story was one book and she moved back in the same book. So (laughs) I think it would, it's, it's definitely, the show does a much better job of having a continuous storyline that gets added to before it's like, oh, surprise, (laughs) you know, exactly. Now Stacey's parents are getting divorced. Exactly. So I, I appreciate that they've, they've been laying the groundwork for certain things. And I think it'll be um, interesting. So assuming that we do get a third season, you know, fingers crossed, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they carry that storyline forward and, you know, what other storylines they're going to pull from the books or, you know, from outside of the books. Since, like you said, we don't know if Watson ever adopts the the Thomas kids in the books, but it feels like something new, especially since they don't have Emily Michelle, at least at this point. Again, maybe that is something that will change in the future as well. But um, it definitely feels like they're starting from the books and moving maybe a little bit away, sort of like um, The Magicians. You know, the first season of yeah. that show is very much like the books. And then takes a left turn and it's a great left turn it's a great show but it's definitely not the books so i think it'll be interesting to see if um that carries through on this show as well i i also want to point out that especially in that scene that was what prompted the dawn therapist conversation and one of the things that she said really stood out to me i thought it was great that Dawn was getting to have that moment because she has just been through this with her parents mm-hmm. relatively recently. Like, obviously, Christy's parents are divorced, but that happened and it clearly a while ago right. at this point now. She was much younger and, again, very different situation. Sounds like her dad just, like, bounced right. and not, you know. Um, and it wasn't like they'd been some happy, close family before that and, ever, you know, that fell apart. It uh, Anyway, I'm not sure. I'm projecting there. But in any case... I liked what Dawn said. She said, you don't know because they don't know. And I thought that that was such a compassionate way of thinking about what is happening in that family. Mm-hmm. Because it is what Stacy is really sort of upset about is, is that they're saying it's about work, but it, it's clear that they're fighting. And Dawn reminding her that, you know, they're people too, and they're trying to figure it out. Right. And it's they probably haven't decided that they're getting a divorce yet. They're probably still hoping that it's 
this time apart's going to fix something or bring them whatever. Yeah. Again, projecting. We we haven't really of of the couples that are on the show or of the adults that are on the show. I, I mean, the Kishis and the um and the McGills are very two dimensional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd love for that to be a little bit more explored in the later if we get later seasons mm-hmm. to draw them up to the same maybe not quite the same level as Richard and Sharon and and Liz Edie and Watson but like flesh them out mm-hmm. a little bit more and hope I'm hopeful that that divorce plot line will um do that for for the McGills and sort of deepen that as well because I think that'd be interesting I think it'd be interesting to see again because that's an experience I obviously don't have I'm not married so not divorce isn't an option for me um and and without kids so i'd be interesting to see from that sort of perspective how that's handled and and how the show handles it i mean in mm-hmm. terms of who they're who they're speaking to and what kind of themes that they pull out like we've seen with this so i i'm very hopeful about what that could be so that's again one of the big reasons where i mean i just want more because i always want more but but the, and, and there's so many cool things that they could do like you said mm-hmm. in, in fact it's funny when you said, um, you know, Emily and Michelle may still be coming. I, I just sort of assumed not. I, I, I don't know why, but I just immediately assumed when they started talking about adoption that oh, there that's a replacement for the Emily and Michelle plotline. But now that you say that, oh, maybe that is still coming. It could be really interesting to see how if they're both adopted by Watson, how that might change that plotline a little bit. Mm-hmm. And certainly, um, it would be more nuanced around adoption. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't help wondering if maybe they dropped it completely because there has been such a shift in understanding of transracial adoption mm-hmm. and and the issues that go around that. And it might just be something that they're like, mm, we don't really need to get into that in this show. Like, not the not the audience to to break that down. But they don't shy away from like the more racial social Mm -hmm. aspects obviously they even you know talk about how christy juan is a mediocre white girl uh over the more deserving pocs who are in in the baby parade partially because well they're like yeah she's white but also a great aunt right (laughs) um but they they acknowledge it they're aware of that in the world so either way it it could be very interesting i would love to see what the show would do with all of that um because you know we just relatively recently in terms of the books we read just read that book and that was a big part of our conversation is how uh, not um they are dealing with Mm -hmm. the aspect of emily michelle's racial identity and and what that means for her and her future yep yeah we will have to see i think i think it'll be interesting if they do go down that road and Obviously, with all of the other changes that they made, it makes sense to not have Emily Michelle at all, or Emily Michelle might be a foster child. You know, and it could be oh, a whole different, yeah. you know, it could be a whole different story as opposed to them, you know, adopting from overseas um, and all of the, like you said, all of the things that go along with that. Maybe it's a different situation entirely if we even get that storyline. You know, I, I do think this episode in and of itself, I think, sort of puts the button on the family situation. So it wouldn't surprise okay. me if we never get Emily Michelle, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we did in a much more 
thoughtful <laughs> way yeah. than we do in the books. So I think it'll be interesting either way. I think it's it'll it'll be really uh, I mean obviously it's going to be a great third season assuming they get one. Hopefully they get one. Um and I think yeah. it it'll just be exciting to see where they take the the story from here because I think they've laid the groundwork for some really interesting stories. Agreed. Um I also just a couple of, you know, minor emotional notes that really beats that stood out to me. Um I loved that they talked more um claudia and marianne talked a little bit about the relationship between alma and mimi mm-hmm. um because that was always such a, a special thing and the reason that marianne was so close with mimi and i i really loved that i thought that was a beautiful mm-hmm. acknowledgement of that that didn't take up too much space um same with how they handled the Edie and watson not being able to have a child situation mm-hmm. where they acknowledged it it was clearly there. They they reference it being a hard time. She talked about, you know, um, how hearing that her husband just had a kid with somebody else is her ex-husband, um, you know, how that brought up feelings for her. Mm-hmm. I like that the show put that there and acknowledged it, but didn't really I think it was a good call for yeah. for, for what they were trying to do to not really get into the whole infertility of it all because that you know kids at 13 that would not have interested me mm-hmm. um and i mean i would have felt bad but i like the complexity of that would have been completely lost on me so i think having it this way where it's sort of acknowledged leaves that space for us mm-hmm. to unpack that but doesn't really you know muddy the waters of this particular story with it so i thought they had that was handled really yeah, nicely i agree um speaking of generations <laughs> when they're talking about painting the um the shoe yes. <laughs> um they're painting it orange and stacy says goodbye millennial pink hello gen z orange and as a millennial while millennial pink is not my favorite shade of pink i would much prefer millennial pink to gen z orange from a color perspective 100 <laughs> percent, especially if that's the orange oh, yeah. that we're going like, with I, it, it was pumpkin orange yeah. it's reasonable that watson thought they made a pumpkin <laughs> Right. Oh, and I—I I mean, I love Stacy, but she couldn't have think that paint that comes in paint cans is washable. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, that was just a a, a that was a miss for Stacy all around. <laughs> I, I expected better from her. Definitely. Um. Speaking of random things, that scene with Christy and Edie in her bedroom. They're standing in front of a mirror, and there were numbers on Christie's mirror. Do you have any idea what those were referencing or I what that was? I have no idea, because it was, like, 10, 6, 8, 4. Like, it wasn't yeah, and- in any – it wasn't in, like, numerical order. It wasn't all of the numbers. I I have literally no idea. Big. Yeah, and they were big numbers. They looked like flashcards almost, but, like, they were taped up on the mirror, on the side of the mirror. I I was very confused. And it was so – it was so prominently placed in the scene, you couldn't help but see it. So it, I feel like there was, like, it was obviously intentional. Right. right. Like, there was no, like, this accidentally wound up on the, you know, they forgot somebody left a coffee cup in the Game of Thrones, you know, right. scene. This was, I, we were meant to see it. So I'm just, I, I can't come up with anything. I, I was like, are those book numbers? Is this, like, a you know reference to somebody's birthday that they don't mention it at all it just was so odd i thought maybe i had missed something because you know i I do that Mm -hmm. um but i'm glad to know i'm you're as baffled as i am so if there's anyone who has figured out the mystery of those numbers please by all means let us know definitely because it was driving me absolutely bonkers when i went back to watch it the second time i almost couldn't concentrate on the scene because i was like what what are those (laughs) 
what do those numbers mean? What do the numbers mean? <laughs> it's like watching Lost again. Speaking of watching shows, love that Marianne gets the uh, Doctor Who shout out and a Broadway shout out. Just my girl, love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there that were was all my really. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't really have any other sort of random thoughts because it was all pretty straightforward in this episode. Yeah, big heavy emotions. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of like little fun. I mean, we found them, but that they were little nuggets more than you know big things. We were too busy in the. In the shit father of it all. Exactly. Well, is there any good fashion to report, at least? There was a few good pieces that we can talk about. So we get, on Marianne, we get two different blue and white short sleeve sweaters, both of which are mm-hmm. great. But I was like, that's kind of a choice that she's wearing. Obviously, the patterns are very different, but they're both blue and white. It's in, like, the two Babysitter's Club meetings. So it's like... What were you guys thinking on this? Is that just now her yeah. new favorite color combination? I mean, I loved both the sweaters, so I'm here for it. But I was a little bit like, usually there's a little bit more variation between the various sweaters that <laughs> we see Marianne in over the course of an episode. Right. And this show is cast so well that it's not like, you know, the old days in the CW when they had to give the generic white boys a color code right. so you could tell them apart <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly and if you don't know what i'm referring to that is a literal thing that happened on veronica mars the, they were so worried about being able to tell logan and duncan apart that duncan is always dressed in blue and logan is always dressed in green it is hilarious i mean i can understand why you might just forget about duncan <laughs> yeah, that's very valid uh, the show certainly did <laughs> exactly very good point um, what else? In the first Babysitter's Club meeting, Claudia is wearing these really cute sort of flowy black and white iCat print overalls mm-hmm. over an abstract sunflower print t-shirt and great outfit. Obviously, great statement earrings with it. Just all around a, a winner from Claudia, as usual. Those earrings are very up my alley. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm definitely on a hunt for those. Yeah. And speaking of jewelry on Claudia, later later in the episode, I think it's at the second Babysitter's Club meeting, she's wearing this, like, amazing red-printed collar necklace, going back to, I think mm-hmm. it was the last episode. There's a lot of collar necklaces this up, this season, and this one was in particular great. And she's wearing it with big, bold pineapple earrings, which I think was just a great combination. Love that. Yeah. And then the only other thing I wanted to call out, because it's an instance of Christy looking pretty polished and put together and not wearing just like a a basic boring you know rugby shirt or (laughs) sweatshirt that doesn't quite fit her (laughs) when they're putting together the um float she's wearing this really cute color blocked black white and like lavender lilac purple sweatshirt and obviously it's a sweatshirt because it's christy but it's just really cute and like mixing it up a little bit for her so i i like i mean i like the sweatshirt generally anyway but in particular like good job christy You're, you're stepping up your game a little bit yeah Absolutely. I thought that too. And I like even the fact that she even thought to go for mascara is is going to be an interesting mm-hmm. sign. I would love to see, you know, going back to our conversation about what we would like to see the show do. I think just circling back to that idea that the show is going to, by just sheer necessity, because you can't actually pause teenagers the way that you can <laughs> right. in a book, we're going to have to see them grow up and I actually, I genuinely would love that, Mm -hmm. to have a version of this where we actually get to see what these characters are like in their teen years. I mean, if I had it my way, we'd continue this, the the show on until Christy is Edie and her daughter is starting the next generation of Babysitter's Club. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm a a never-ending story type of gal. But I would love to see Christy, how that evolves for Christy Mm -hmm. as she does 
start to discover her sexuality and want to maybe grow quote unquote grow up a little bit there's the way that they talk right. about it even though we've not you know we've had that conversation many times um about fashion and, and beauty does not mean that you're grown up but whatever from their perspective right. i'd be really fascinated to see how christy gets into all of that agreed i would definitely love that and i mean even beyond christy and i'm sure that that's what you meant but i would love to see all of these girls especially with You know, a couple episodes ago, we've got Dawn sort of acknowledging maybe her pansexuality or being open to pansexuality. Obviously, we haven't Mm -hmm. seen her have any specific interest in anyone, but I think it would be very interesting to see these girls in this generation, you know, this day and age, quote unquote, to sound like an old person, like have the opportunities to grow up and see who they become as, you know, teenagers and, you know, young adults or Mm -hmm. older teenagers. However you want to say it. I think I think it would be really great to have that opportunity, especially, like you said, the, the casting of this show is just amazing. And all of these girls are so mm-hmm. talented. Obviously, all the supporting cast is talented. And we would love to see them have all the opportunities in the world. And also all get the opportunity to <laughs> be superheroes in Marvel movies like uh, Zosho. Yes, exactly. You know what's interesting is you were saying that it just occurred to me. Um, it happened sort of subtly, but like Logan was a going concern for the first episode or two. And then boys completely have been dropped. Uh, they don't talk about relationships or crushes really at all in the show, in the back half mm-hmm. of the show. And I think that's a really interesting choice because in the books, that is definitely a major, uh, major is a, is a strong word, but a, it's a very prominent reoccurring mm-hmm. theme. Like Stacy always has a crush. Claudia, there's always, you know, Trevor Sanborn or somebody, Pete Black, that she, or that's Stacy. But either way, you know, they, they've got, it may not be the main plot of every single book, but talking about boys and crushes is far more prominent mm-hmm. in the books. And I think it's, uh, it literally never occurred to me. Uh, that shows how much I missed those plot lines. Right. But I think it's fascinating that they just sort of removed that from the from the show so it would be fascinating like you said to go in and see them explore that a little bit further mm-hmm. as they grow up and 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 have be a little bit more meaningful and not just ooh boys are cute right you know agree the way that the books kind of passively shallowly uh deal with all of that and i mean even marianne and logan i know that they have the breakup and i'm pretty sure they get back together but it it, it never was like i don't know a, a real thoughtful examination right. of teen relationships. So just another interesting thing to note that we hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we're putting it out. I'm manifesting yes, it into the universe. Exactly. Let me get further seasons. Definitely agree on that. Ugh, I'm sad to say, I like, I, I want to drag it out, but I think we've reached the end of our discussion of the Netflix series. I know. Ugh. Which is why there just have to be more episodes so we can have more conversation exactly. on these topics <laughs> and these characters, are- these versions of these characters. You are exactly right. Although, you're right. I am very excited to get back to the books. It, it kind of realized how between, you know, Christmas break and then moving into the show, mm-hmm. it's been really been a hot minute since we have dove back into the books. Yep. And I'm excited to get reacquainted with those those versions of the characters. Because like we've talked about, that the the books and shows are are, are becoming more and more disparate. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to get, get back to the OG of it all. Yes, agreed. Any other final club business before we wrap this one up? 
Well, why don't you actually let us know what is the plan for heading back into the books? That I can do. So the plan is we are going to take a quick one-month spring break, just like our girls, probably have about 10 school dances in that period because we know that the Babysitter's Club is definitely going to that many dances. And we will be back on Tuesday, April 5th with super special number four, Babysitter's Island Adventure. And we can't wait to talk about that, me in particular, because that is one that Mm -hmm. I read repeatedly and have committed to memory, which I will have to drop in our uh, predictions in the, the next episode so that we can talk about how right or wrong I am and <laughs> if I'm if I was actually accurate in my very detailed descriptions but yes we'll be back on April 5th with our next super special we'll have we have a very special guest lined up as usual so we are looking forward to our conversation with her and I hope that you guys are looking forward to getting back to these books with us and we will be back on April 5th with all of you and with each other and we can't wait and also As always, if you want to get in touch with us, um, whether it's about the Netflix series, about the books, about super specials, about pretty much anything. What those damn numbers are. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If you have (laughs) theories on what those numbers in Christie's room are, please let us know because we have no idea and would really love an answer. So you can (laughs) uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GenerationBSC or please feel free to email us all of your theories about Christie's numbers at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. And with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your-